Daniel chapter 3, verse 12. I want to share with you a word that I believe is for the season and the time that we need even right now within our... Daniel chapter 3. If you have it, say amen. It says, but there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Father, remove me. Place your Holy Spirit behind this pulpit. Let he that has an ear, let him hear. Lord, I pray that our faith would grow strong in the furnace. Our faith would grow strong in the testings. Our commitment would get strong in the trials. Lord, have your way. Lord, this is your church, your people. I give you all the glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. And we all said, before you're seated, shake your neighbor's hand and tell them, I'm committed to you. Then you may be seated. Keep your Bibles open, and let's read this story in Daniel chapter 3, because I want to make sure there's a good understanding of the context of where we're going with this this morning, because in just a little bit, we're going to be partaking of communion, so not going to be that long, because I want to make sure that our communion gets the rightful place and the rightful attention that is needed. So in Daniel chapter 3, we read verse 12, now let's read verse 13, it says, Furious with rage. Somebody say rage. Then it says, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and a bad Negro. These guys were bad right here. So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Verse 15. Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, then very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. Basically, just think of it like this. They look at him and said, mm-mm-mm. Kind of how they did it. That's my translation. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if, someone say even if. Someone say even if. Come on, say it with some passion. Even if. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. Whoo, but even if, I love that. That gets me excited right there. This morning, I want to talk to you and share with you about a commitment that can take it in the furnace. I want to talk to you about a commitment that can take it through the fire. I want to talk to you about a commitment that will not wither the moment your husband disagrees with you. The moment your wife doesn't like what you're saying. Listen, for those of you that are married, you should know right away 
Those two words, I do, go far beyond just that moment of what you just said. Goes far beyond that. It is a marriage of what we call commitment. Somebody say commitment. All the married couples say commitment. All the married couples in love say commitment. It's a commitment. You're saying and having a ceremonial I do, but the commitment goes longer than the moment of I do. Now listen to me. In the same way, you and I have been committed to our groom, and that is Jesus Christ. It is a commitment. When you said, God, forgive me of my sins, turn me around, wash me, make me new, you said, I do. It's a commitment. Now, what I have found and what I've been seeing throughout these last few years and even these last few decades, somehow, some way, the commitment of the bride of Christ has gotten less and less. It's gotten less and less more committed. It has become a mutual understanding. No, no, no. It's an understanding. He knows and he understands. I go out and cheat on him every now and then, but he understands. See, can, can you imagine? If we were to do that as married couples, oh, no, no, the, my, my husband understands. You know what's funny is that we have the church, we as the church, we've been doing that to God. We've been doing that to God. And in what, what I have found as the church, in our quest not to offend people, we have offended God. In our quest not to offend people, we are offending God. Listen to me, my friend. I want you to know something. I am not here to give you a CNN update. I am here to give you the gospel of Jesus Christ. And sometimes the gospel of Jesus Christ sounds and even feels a little offensive. But I'm not here to offend people. I want to make sure that I do not offend my groom. That's what I want to make sure. I want to make sure with my whole heart that I will not offend the one that I'm committed to. I'm committed to him. Everything that I do is committed to him. Where I go, what I pursue, what I look at, what I watch, what I say is because I have a commitment to my Savior. Can I hear an amen? Now listen to me, my friend. Our commitments will be challenged. They will be questioned. And our commitments will even be misunderstood. But listen, our commitment may not always look pretty, but it will always be attractive. Mm, I'm going to say that one more time. Our commitment may not always look pretty, but our commitment will always be attractive. I want you to know something. Commitment is attractive. Commitment is attractive. Now, I want you to know something. You're probably saying, well, pastor, what do you mean? Because when you see a committed man or a committed woman, it is attractive. Say, man, that's what I want. I want that kind of commitment. Listen to me. The world is looking for a committed church, not an uncommitted church. Not a church that will compromise the values of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But men and women that say, upon this word, I'm going to do whatever he's called me to do. And I'm going to say, and I'm going to go wherever he's called me to go. Why? Because I'm committed to him. And commitment, my friend, is attractive. Tell your neighbor, commitment is attractive. See, with this type of commitment, you don't need makeup. You don't need fancy clothes. You don't need shiny jewelry. What you need in order to be attractive is commitment. Now, tell your neighbor, I'm committed to you. Now, come on, tell them I'm committed to you. 
Now you're probably asking, well, pastor, how come I'm telling my neighbor I'm committed to you? Shouldn't I be telling God? Shouldn't I be telling God I'm committed to him? You know, well, see, that's the thing. That's what I'm sick and tired of. I am sick and tired of people saying, well, I'm committed to God. I'm just not committed to my fellow brother or sister. Because listen to me, the commitment you make to God is the commitment you make to the body of Christ. I'm going to say that one more time. The commitment you make to God is the commitment you make to the body of Christ. So whenever I hear people say, well, yeah, you know, I'm a Christian, but I don't need to go to church. You are being uncommitted to your Savior. That's an uncommitment. No, no matter how you look at it. Oh, no, no, I don't need to. Well, maybe in your heart, in your mind, but according to the scriptures, because even the Bible says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 20, it says, whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. Now, some of you are probably looking at me and say, oh, pastor, that's offensive. Well, I'm, I'm not here to worry about whether I offend you or not. I want to make sure I don't offend him. See, do you understand how it is that when I talk and when I preach and when I share, I want to make sure that the gospel comes off with clarity and understanding. And then the Bible says, for whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. It doesn't work that way. See, we think it does. And somehow, some way, there has become a manipulation in the church where it figures, well, you know, it's, it's understanding. You know, I don't get along with this guy, but they know that. They know I hate them. They know that we just don't get along. We don't like each other, but that's just the way that it is. No! Who told you that? Who said that was okay? I don't read that in the scriptures anywhere. I read disagreements. Oh, there's a lot of disagreements. Okay, I don't agree with you. Okay, that's perfectly fine. But it doesn't mean because I don't agree with you. You know what? I don't like this guy. Who said that was okay? Like, where did that come from? How did that creep into the church to where somehow, some way, well, we don't get along with each other. Therefore, you go on that side. I'll go on this side. And we'll just have our own sides. A commitment is a commitment. Listen to me, church. We as Victory Outreach Heart of the Bay, we are committed to the other churches that are in this area. Whether we get along with them, whether we agree with them or not, we're committed. We want to see the power of God manifested in this city and the power come down and break strongholds. But the only way it's going to happen is there got to be a commitment. Not a, hey, you do that and I'll do this and we'll just do what we do and whatever happens will happen. No, it's a commitment. Somebody say commitment. There's a few reasons that I see here, reactions that I see to this commitment and th these men's story, these three men's story. Look at verse 12 one more time. Of Daniel chapter three, chapter 3, it says, But there are some Jews who you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. The first thing that you need to understand about commitment is that the world will always notice your commitment. The world will always take notice of your commitment. See, these men did not bow down to the system of the world, and so the, the rest of the world seen, man, hey, if everyone else is doing it, how come you're not doing it? How come you're not going out there partying every night? How come you're not going out there getting drunk, getting high? How come everyone else is, how come you're not? The whole family does. How come you're not a part of that? Say, no, 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 because I got a commitment. I have, some, I have someone that I'm committed to, and I do not want to grieve that commitment. 
See, a lot of times that what, what you got to understand, when you study church history, you will find that all throughout the years, somehow, some way, there has been a breakdown. But one thing that I understand when I listen to my parents and when they would talk about the stories of old back in the 60s and 70s, did you know that back then they could not even go to the movies because movies was a sin. Hey, we're going to go to the movies. Sin! Hey, I was thinking about wearing this makeup. Sin! Well, you know, I was going to buy this, this dress. It was going to go right here. No, sin! Like Everything was a sin. Like, you couldn't, bowling was a sin. Did you know that? We go bowling. Man, I'm one of the worst sinners of all time then. Hey, man. I like to bowl. It's fun. But there's, just trust me, for those of you that were, how many of you were even saved back in the 60s and 70s? Anybody? Okay, a couple of you were. So you guys know what I'm talking about then, right? How the perception of the church and how it was and the way they saw things, the way they did things. It was just, no, you, you couldn't do Why? Now, this is what we've learned. It wasn't so much that bowling was a sin. Why? Because we, you know, go bowling now. Makeup was not a sin. You know, we wear makeup now. Women wear makeup. Women wear makeup. Women wear makeup. If the house needs painting, paint it. Amen. Not the fellas. It's not that that stuff was a sin. It was the fact that back then, they didn't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. They didn't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. And so if that took away their focus and their commitment, uh, that's over there, I'm going to go over here. No, 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 no. Because I do not want to grieve this commitment that I have with my Savior. See, it was a commitment that they had. And listen to me here this morning. That same commitment doesn't change be, just because the decade changes. The commitment has to be inside of our hearts, inside of who we are as a church. And listen to me, Victory Average Heart of the Bay. God has called this church to be a committed church of men and women that will do what God has called us to do, say what he's called us to say, and be who he's called us to be, a committed church. Somebody say committed. Somebody say committed. Listen, my friend, don't give the world the credit they never earned even in the first place. Don't give them the credit. They don't deserve any of the credit or the commitment of what you have to Christ. Listen to me. I, I, I don't have time to get into it, but I hear, you know what kind of grieves me sometimes is when I hear Christians debating upon who is the best of this or the best of that or the best. I'm like, the way sometimes I see it, now, you know, it, it varies, understandably, but the way I see it, they're looking, they have debates upon who's the best sinner. Like, why do you want me in your debate about who's the best sinner? They're, let them, sinners sin. Just let them do whatever they want. Listen, don't give the world the credit of the commitment of what you had to Christ. This is what God has given you. Somebody say, I'm committed. Now look at Christ as best as you can. Say, I'm committed to you. Do it one more time. Say, I'm committed to you. The second thing in verse 13, it says, furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The second thing is that the world will sometimes get angry at your commitment. The world will get angry at your commitment. See, my friend, because commitment will always cause a stir. Commitment will always cause a stir. Listen to me. We cannot compromise to the world system. We cannot compromise to the world because what happens is when you compromise to the world system, you get rid of God's kingdom and you lose the element of faith. The element of faith. Listen to me. Now, now I know who I'm talking to. This is the Bay Area. 
This is the Bay Area. We are a very, very, very rich community. We are very wealthy. We're, we are a part, you know, we're going over this whole debate and, you know, with all this, uh, with Bernie Sanders, the 1% and all that. When you actually break it all down, America in and of itself is a part of like the 0.1%. We're the richest of the richest. We, just, we have clean air. Now, not only that, let's break that down. The Bay Area, the Bay Area has the most millionaires per capita in this community. The Bay Area. We're rich. Now, not only that, the Silicon Valley is the number two wealthiest community in America. Number two behind Manhattan. It's the number two wealthiest community. And so what happens is when one community has that, it affects all the communities. So if you live in Hayward, Fremont, all around, you know that, my gosh, these bills, these bills, these bills. These bills. They're like, man. So what happens is we look at the world's economic system and we try to figure it out the world's economic ways. And in doing that, maybe you haven't been, uh, uh, you know, the, the one that has happened to, but it's happened to me where I have found myself trying to compromise God's kingdom for the world's economic system. Well, let me try it this way. Let me do it this way. Let me try to maneuver it around. Listen to me, my friend. It's very important to keep your commitment to church on a Sunday. Like, this is not like a, well, I think you should try it. No, you, you need to be here for your soul's purpose and your spirit's purpose. This is very important. Look, at if you think you can go a whole six days, actually seven, because some of you only come here for just a small amount of time, and if you think you can go seven days without really getting that filled uh, of Christ and filled with the Holy Spirit, my friend, you're going to go into a world system that's going to eat you alive. Going to eat you alive. See, that's why I thank God we have a system within the system that there's another system, and that system is called the men's home. I love that system right there. I love that system. It's a great one because in that system, that's where my father changed his system. My father changed his life, changed his mindset because it was a worldly system. It was a worldly way of thinking. Well, I'm going to rob, I'm going to cheat, I'm going to steal, I'm going to maneuver, I'm going to manipulate, do whatever I got to do to make it happen for me, myself, and I. But somehow, someway, it got flipped around, got changed around. Listen to me, my friend. What God is trying to do to you when you're coming to church every Sunday and the commitment is that's getting tested, the commitment that is coming in front of you, saying, man, should I do it? Should I not? You know, I could just skip this. I can maneuver that. and Let me just hold on to the tithe. That's not a big deal. No, my friend, it's the compromise that is, you're confronted with. But I want you to know something. The world is going to look at it, but the world is looking from two different eyes. Some of them are getting mad. What's wrong with you? And others are looking and saying, man, whatever you got, that's what I want. Whatever you got, that's what I want. How come I'm, I keep doing tr double, triple, overtime, and I'm trying to make all this money, but yet you're the one with the peace. I thought money was going to bring me peace, but you, my gosh, I make more money than you, and you're happier than me. Stupid. Sometimes the world, they will get a little upset. The third thing that I will find that I found, verse 14, it says, And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve any of my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? The third thing that you will find about your commitment is that the world will even question your commitment. The world will question 
your commitment. See, they want us to cooperate, but our commitment is always being questioned. I want you to know something. When your commitment is being questioned, it's finding out whether you have a backbone or not. That's what it is. It's finding out whether you have a backbone or not. Just think of it. For those of you that are married, it's the same thing. When certain things and certain people come into your life, they question and they test that commitment because they want to test that commitment in order to find out, do you really have a backbone for your spouse? Do you really have a backbone for your family? Do you really have a backbone for your husband or for your wife? Do you really have it? Because if you have that, then my friend, that's what the world is looking towards because the world has no backbone. The world sways this way. Let's go with the culture. The culture is going this way, so let's go this way. The culture is going that way, so let's go that way. But the church, we have always been called to stand right in the middle of the gap, committed to our Savior. Come what may, and it doesn't matter what happens, but I am committed to my Savior through hell or high water. I may be crushed and pushed and perplexed, but I, my friend, God has given me a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. I'm not going to the left. I'm not going to the right. People ask me, are you a Republican? Are you a Democrat? I'm a Christian. That's what I am. And I will vote according to my Christian. Don't t tell me what I am. I'm not a liberal. I'm not a conservative. I'm a Christian. You want to know what I am? That's what I am. Well, no, no, you have to be one. Says who? Are you the God of all politics? Don't tell me what I have to do. I know what I am. See, when I know who I am, you can't move my backbone. You can't tell me what I know. I, I will do accordingly to my values. There's a story that I heard of, of Alexander the Great. It says there was a man in, in the army of Alexander the Great who was also named Alexander, and he was accused of cowardly actions. He was brought before Alexander who asked him what his name was. He replied real softly, Alexander, I can't hear you, the ruler stated. The man again said just a little louder, Alexander. The process was repeated one more time, after which Alexander the Great commented, either change your name or change your conduct. Basically saying, look, if you're going to have my name, get a backbone. You're making me look bad. Whenever people speak of Alexander, they should see greatness. Whenever people speak of Christ, they should see greatness in you. They see the power of God, the light of Christ in you. That's what they should see in you. Whenever you go, when you're at your job, they should see the light of Christ. When you're with your family, they should see the light of Christ. Then why? Because you're committed to your Savior. It's a commitment. You don't have to ask me. You don't have to tell. I'll show you that I have a commitment. Can I hear an amen? The last thing, really quick, as I close here. In verse 15, it says, Now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will then be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? The fourth thing that we will find, not only will they question you, but they will also, the world will also test you. They will test you. The world will always test your faith. They will always test your marriage. They will always test your relationships. They will always test your lifestyle. You will always be tested. You know what I have found? I've been in ministry now for a while. And in being around in ministry for a while, you know, sometimes you get those guys like, like Vince. I love Vince. You guys ever see Vince up here? Right? Vince is up here worshiping. I love the way he's like. Mm. 
right? I love him when he's up. I know some of you are like, you just watch Vince. You shouldn't be watching Vince. You should be watching your Savior. You should be. But he's up there and he's doing that. And then when he really gets into it, he goes, is Vince here? Where's Vince? Is that here? Oh, that's right. He told me that's why he had to take care of himself. But that's so I could talk about him. All right. Okay, let me talk. And he's up here and he's excited. And he's just moving and he's grooving. Sometimes he's in rhythm. Sometimes he's out of rhythm. But he's excited. He's going and he's moving. We are champions. Come on, come on, come on. And I feel like I'm at a techno concert sometimes. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, let's go, let's go. Where are we going? I don't know, but follow him. Follow him. Yeah, let's go, let's go. And he's excited. But you know what I have found? Is that some of you are not as excited as him. Is because, and this is what I found in ministry. I've been in ministry a long time. Sometimes some of us, we're not excited because we're tired of getting tested. Just tired. Just been tested for too long. Yeah, I know there's a praise in there, but I'm just tired of getting tested. I'm tired of going through it. I'm tired of constantly having this. Why? Why do I always gotta get that? Why do I always gotta go through it? Why? 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 Can't I just take a, a smooth sailing, you know, type of season and just have it like that? You know, the funny thing is, is that, you know, when you watch movies, this is the crazy thing about all movies, 100% of all movies you watch. They have a beginning and they have an ending. So when you watch movies and you go, why can't my, my life be like that? Well, it's because it has an ending. Yours has no ending. There's no ending yet. You're not there yet. Listen to me. You've heard it said, you know, it's all going to be good in the end, right? It's all going to be good in the end. So if it's not good yet, it's not the end. Keep going. You're going to be all right. Well, how come I can? Listen, my friend, the world will always test your commitment. But this is what I love, and I end with this. This is the, my favorite part of the whole, the whole story here with these, these guys. They share this stuff. They say, well, the, you know, Nebuchadnezzar, you got this, and you did this, and you, you got all this stuff. You got a grave image, and you got all this stuff. But I want you to know, my God is going to deliver me. He is going to bring me out of the hand of the enemy. He will show me. But this is my favorite part. But even if. See, some, some of you got to understand those two words flip the commitment upside down. Flips it all upside down. Because you know how they talk about how roots are stronger at the bottom? Than what you see on the top, whether it's the trees, iceberg, or anything like that. It's always strong on the bottom. So what those two words do, even if it's a mentality that flips the commitment upside down, and it shows you the root. It shows you're testing the root. No, 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 no. I'm committed. No, I'm, I'm here. Yeah, I go through it, but I'm here. Yeah, I'm hurting, but I'm here. The devil's been hitting me, but I'm here. The devil's been trying to take me out, but I'm here. He's been trying to kill my marriage, but I'm here. He's been trying to get through me for my kids, but I'm still here. He's been trying to take out my finances, but I'm still here. No matter what I go through, even if he doesn't deliver me, I am still committed to the cause of Christ for my life. Listen to me, Victory Outreach. you got to have an even if mentality. Even if. Even if I don't get that job, even if I don't get that raise, even if I don't get that, the fact that you can lay your head on a pillow, that's good enough right there. Some of you not just have one blanket, you have like five blankets. 
in a comfy house. You got a house. There's so many people, they don't even have one blanket, let alone a house. Well, I want a bigger house. I want more cars. I want more. Man, can you just understand that God will take care of all your needs? He's committed to you too. He's going to take care of you. Don't go breaking down the door. I just talked about that a couple weeks ago. Don't push the door down. Don't break it down. Don't barge it down. Let your groom open the door for you. Just let him open it. He's a gentleman. He'll do it for you. Now listen to me. This is very important. If the door's not open, then don't go in. Don't go in. You have to learn to be a committed bride. I have to learn how to be a committed bride. Listen to me. There have been tough times. I know many of you have been going through. This church has been getting hit physically. And I mean physically been getting hit over and over and over. I felt like it started in January of this year. where We were just getting hit physically. And physically turned into spiritually and mentally. Like I'm talking people getting, you know, the hips messed up. And, and people with the backs. And even Pastor Daryl still fighting it even now. And the sciatica, right, that he has. And, you know, all, all these different things. Then I get a phone call. This person, you know, they had to go to the hospital. And all of a sudden, Sister Debbie. And she had to go. And then Bernard and his daughter. And you get all these different things. And they got cancer. And this person called. Pray for my sister. Got leukemia. This person, their sister uh, broke their hip. And this person, their, their uncle passed away. And this, I'm like, oh, my gosh. We were just getting hit left and right. I didn't, uh, I felt like these past six months, we got hit more physically than I was in the first four, five years of being here. We just got hit. Boom. 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 I'm like, wait. Then my wife, just a couple weeks ago, out of nowhere, we're sitting at a banquet, having a good time. Oh, something hurts. What's wrong? Boom. Got to go to the hospital. Appendix bursted. Boom. Whoa, what's going on? I don't know. How do, you, how do you do it? And you're just like, man, what is taking place here? It's all right. It's all right. Just let me cry. I want to cry. Just let me cry. <laughs> I love it, though. You're doing your job. Keep doing it. But, man, you got all this stuff happening. I, even, I know even some of you right now, like, you, should bar- you shouldn't even be walking. You're barely walking. You barely made it here. I got Loretta. She comes over to my house all the time. She, she, with their cane. And I know, it, I know it hurts her because if you knew Loretta from the, from the past, she's like, hey, what's happening? Let's go. She's a mover. She's a shaker. Hey, let's do this. That's Loretta. So for her to have the cane, I know it hurts her. She's like, I want to do things, but I can't. How come I can't do it? Because my commitment is being tested right now. Some of you right now, your commitment is being tested. Your husband's being tested. Your wife is being tested. You are being tested. Your family's being tested. Your kids are being tested. Why? Why can't I? But just know this. In the midst of your commitment, do not fret. Do not worry. God, this is the great thing I love. See, man's commitment may waver. Man's commitment may go to the left or right. But God's commitment will never let you down. He's committed to you. Even if you go through the fire, he is there with you. Even if you feel like I'm in the furnace, don't worry about it. There's a fourth man there. He's right there with you. Man, everything's burning up all around me. It's okay. There's somebody else in there. He's taking away all that heat, all that pain, all that pressure. He's got you. God's got you, my friend.
He knows exactly what you're going through. And this is the crazy thing. He even knows why you're going through it. See, we, we, want, we always want to figure it out, huh? Like, okay, well, I know I'm going through it, but why? Can't you tell me why? God says, no, just keep walking. Just keep walking. Okay, I'll walk with you, but can you just tell me, can you give me a little bit of insight? We're like natural, we're like natural gossipers. The human being, we're natural. We want to know why. Why? Why? We've been taught that since we were like two years old. Hey, go do that. Why? Well, I want you to go over there. Okay, why? Well, go play with him. Why? Like, why? I want to know why. I want to know why. So all of a sudden, here we are, 22, 32, 42, 52, doing the same thing. Okay, I'll do it. Why? God says, just go. I'm, I'm with you. I'm committed to you. Don't worry about my commitment. I'm there with you. I got your wife. I got your kids. I got your kids. Don't worry about it. You're good. Be there. Stay there. Don't move. Keep, I'll keep my commitment. You keep your commitment. I got you. I know what you're looking for. I know what you need, but don't worry about it. I got you. I'm right there with you. You don't have to be alone in the fire. Listen to me, church. I know we've been having some fires, having some furnaces, having some double furnaces. Some of us, just like Nebuchadnezzar, make it seven times hotter. Some of you feel like it's, you're seven times hotter. And you think, it's her fault. It's his fault. No. God knows what he's doing. God knows exactly what he's doing. He knows exactly the furnace and the fire you're in. Don't get out of the fire just to appease your momentary flesh. Don't do that. Don't do that. God's got you. God's right there with you. He's holding you. He's right there next to you. He's comforting you. He's going to give you the peace that you need. Keep your commitments. Keep the commitment. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Some of us are at the crossroads of life. This is where we either confirm or compromise. Confirm or compromise our commitments. Commitments are defined in difficult times, my friend. And commitment in the face of conflict will produce character. Some of us here this morning, we need to have the, I am not going back. I am not going backwards. For those of you that are on the brink of divorce, you're on the brink of ending it all, don't go back to being that single again with that single mentality. Well, I'll just act like a single and he'll get it. I'll act like a single and she'll get it. No. You're committed. You're committed. That's your husband. That's your wife. Those are your children. Even if you're in a blended family, well, those aren't my kids. No, yes, they are your kids. You're committed to those kids in the same way you were committed to your wife or your husband. You're committed to them. That's a commitment you make. You gotta learn to keep that commitment. If you're here and you've been even wavering, say, man, I don't feel like it. I don't want to. I don't why. Can I just go over here? Keep your commitment. Don't honor it because I'm telling you, honor it because the Lord is right there with you in the fire. Some of you need to know that God is going to honor you in your commitment. But first, know this. God gets all the honor and gets all the glory. As you give him everything that he so rightfully deserves, he will take care of your heart's desires. That's why he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Go after the kingdom commitment. Then watch what happens. Everything else 
will be added unto you. With every head bowed and every eye closed here this morning. And if that's you and you say, you know what, man, I, I need to keep this commitment. I, I, I know that it's been tough. It's been difficult. I've been getting tested. I've been getting questioned. People have been getting angry with me. My boss, my job, and they've been trying to waver the, uh, and make me compromise the commitment that I have to Christ. But I do not want to waver no matter what. I don't want to w- look to the world's economic system. I want to look to the system of faith, the system of love, the system of joy, the system of goodness, the fruits of the Spirit. That's what I want to be. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you here this morning, and you've been going through the fire, this is not something where even if you are married, I'm not even asking for you to come as a married couple, but if even you yourself just say, you know what, maybe my wife hasn't been going through it, but I have. Maybe my husband hasn't been going through it, but I have. And I've been going through this fire, but she needs to know, he needs to know that my commitment, number one, is to God. If I have a strong commitment to God, She's going to have a strong husband. He is going to have a strong wife. If I commit, keep my commitment to God, with every head bowed and every eye closed. Now, for those of you that are single, say, well, I'm not even married. No, you need to learn how to keep your commitment to God before you can even get married. you got to learn how to do that, and you got to learn how to do it now. Don't wait till you get married and say, okay, now, now I'm committed. No, you'll be committed now at 20, at 30, at 40. At 50, even if you're single, doesn't matter your age. If you're single, you keep your commitment to God, and he will honor you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, as they begin to sing this song, if that's you here this morning, and you say, you know what, I've been going through the fire.